Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Coogee Voice. Today, we're talking with Annette Petrut from the Greenpeace Eastern Suburbs Support Group. We discuss the current campaigns they're involved in, the terrifying statistics around Australia's climate change inaction, and the real prospects of climate change refugees. You're listening to Coogee Voice. In 2016, the Climate Action Network ranked countries. Australia was third last in climate action, and it's now 2021, and nothing has changed. And another campaign is the Pacific campaign, which basically means that countries like Fiji or Samoa or PNG, you know, they're the least polluting countries in the Pacific, but they're most affected by climate change. And it's really about, you know, us here from Australia supporting them. I have a phone case that is biodegradable. You know, if that can be done for a phone case, why can't this be done for car tyres? Nick, welcome to Coogee Voice. How are you going today? Perfect, thanks. Running late for German, very unusual, but I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) We won't tell any of your German friends. Awesome, thanks. (laughs) Now, before we get into discussing the organisation and the work of Greenpeace, you live around the eastern suburbs. What do you love most about the area? Uh, You love, like the thing I love the most is just being able to walk barefoot into shops. Because I remember I used to, I was in Mallorca years ago and they kicked me out of a shop because I was barefoot. It was like, what the hell is going on? It's warm, it's summer. And here no one cares. I love that freedom. (laughs) (laughs) No, look, as someone who walks barefoot quite often in the eastern suburbs, I've never actually thought about that as a form of privilege that we have. Now, for our listeners who are not familiar with Greenpeace, can you give us a bit of an overview of the organisation and in particular the kinds of campaigns that the Eastern Suburbs Support Group is involved in? Yes. So what I love most about Greenpeace is that they don't accept money from big corporations nor from the government. So everything is funded by individuals, you know, like people listening from the goodness of their hearts, like donating on a monthly basis. And then Greenpeace amplifies community voices. Like at the moment, they have four really, really big campaigns running. They're always focused just on a few for the year. And one is the Re-Energize campaign where companies like Aldi, for example, or Bunnings, they committed to a 100% renewable energy for the future. And quick shout out to Optus and Coles. You haven't committed yet. We're waiting for you. And then what we do as the local support groups, for example, we had a little local campaign at the Bunnings, you know, speaking to the manager and the team and just really educating people there, which was great. Then another campaign is AGL, like, you know, wanting to close all coal mines in Australia. And another campaign is the Pacific campaign, which basically means that countries like uh, Fiji or Samoa or PNG, you know, they're the least polluting countries in the Pacific, but they're most affected by climate change. And it's really about, you know, us here from Australia supporting them because it massively affects our livelihoods. You know, just one big flood, like kids can't go to school, 
and parents can't earn money. And for them, it's a very fragile community. And the last one is climate impacts here in Australia, like the bushfires or, you know, big floods happening. And it's really about, you know, going into the community and, you know, speaking to the firefighters or all the local smaller, you know, um, charities and organizations and really helping to amplify their voices. Like Greenpeace really tries to penetrate the community and work from the bottom up. One of the things you've just touched on is around the Pacific Islands and climate change. Would you mind just spending a very brief moment explaining to our listeners what climate change refugees are? So, yeah, that's are basically people who are affected, not by fault of their own, from, you know, the global warming up of the climate. And Look, like I often say to people, I don't even discuss climate change anymore. You know, it is real. If you don't think it's real, then maybe you need a bigger education. For 150 years, we have monitored the climate. You know, they have taken in consideration the solar variations and everything else happening, you know, so it is real. And there are a lot of people who are affected by that and they're not even contributing to it. You know, here in Australia and all the Western countries, like for us, we have this amazing privilege that, you know, when when one of our shoes break, we buy a new one and, you know, then it goes to landfill and all those kind of things, as small as they are for us, but there are other people in the world who are affected by that and we need to support them. I think the other part of it is, though, just one of the very real outcomes of climate change is rising seawater. And what we're talking about with the Pacific is the fact that within 30, 50 years, these islands will be underwater. So these are going to be climate change refugees, people who can no longer live in the country that they have grown up in, that for thousands of years they and their family have lived in, but they're going to need somewhere else to live. But just sort of going through these campaigns, why should Australians and people in the eastern suburbs be concerned about all of these issues? One of the reasons is just think every morning when we wake up, we basically wake up with the silver spoon in our mouth, right? And there are loads of people who don't have the same privilege. And there's so much power we have, you know, starting by supporting the circular economy, you know, just just being more mindful of everything happening around us. And I think using that privilege, if nothing you do is but just educating yourself a bit more, you know, and start having more conversations about that and really focus on the global impact of that, you know, that would be something you know, everyone can do really easily. And I feel this is very crucial and very important. I want to take a moment and just focus on the global ocean sanctuaries and the impact of single-use plastics on oceans. Uh, In short, you know, single-use plastic bags are horrifically overrepresented. Straws are overrepresented in our oceans. What are your thoughts on banning single-use plastics of all forms? Well, obviously... We are so good these days. Technology has advanced, science has advanced. It's not a big thing for us to ban that and come up with alternative solutions. The problem is, like, I don't know, anyone recently been to Bali? You know, there it's still very prevalent. You see it everywhere. You know, you see corners full of plastic. And one thing I have to say is Coca-Cola finally admitted that they're part of the problem, you know. And right now, it's all the corporations who cash in on the profits, but the rest of society, like, you know, lower economically evolved countries have to pay, you know, for all the disadvantages of it. So yes, I'm a big supporter. You're saying corporations are the problem here. 
What are your thoughts, though, on legislation from government that bans it? 100%. Like, I really, really support that. And, you know, I love all the work you do, Marjorie. Like, you are honestly a big fan and you always have the environment, you know, close to your heart. But the higher you go up in government, I feel that mindset changes. And I think that's a big danger that people forget, you know, where they actually come from and where they live. So the environment is very crucial. And I would hope, you know, that people really like tap into this more and lobby the government better that they put legislations in place. Just as a bit of background for people before we move on to the next question, there was legislation tabled by New South Wales Labor to ban single-use plastics. This legislation did not pass Parliament because the government, the Liberal government and the Wigan Coalition with the Nationals and the Crossbench voted against it. So this is something that I do feel quite strongly about. I've supported legislation on it and I'll continue to support legislation on this. Moving on. One of the single most dangerous things that has happened around the climate change debate has been the hyperpolarization of this issue, where it has moved away from facts towards one of morality. The reality is when you chop down trees and replace them with concrete, urban heating happens. And you have the inverse. When you plant more trees around a space, that space becomes cooler. What are your thoughts on the polarisation of this issue and for people who feel really strongly about climate change but maybe have friends who don't believe in it because they now see it as a morality issue, what is your advice to them? So for people who still don't believe in climate change, I feel if you come from the school of trying to educate them, you often just trigger their defense mechanism. You know, I feel it's really more about asking the right questions. You know, even just the simple questions like, why don't you believe in it? Because I have a lot of facts and this is more than 150 years of research. You know, what are your facts? And let's just logically compare them. I feel, you know, that is one of the first things people can do. You can totally add to it. There's so many ways of doing one thing. You know, we can probably sit here until four o'clock in the morning talking. What would you do? What's your suggestion? So firstly, I think it's a triggering conversation for a lot of people and it sparks uh, quite high emotions. And I can think about numerous, numerous times throughout the eastern suburbs where I've door knocked people and I've spoken about climate change and they say, I don't believe in it. And my response generally to that is, well, do you believe in gravity? (laughs) Because that is also real. But for me, it's around, I think, um, trying to segment the conversation up to things that maybe make it more digestible. So that example I've given you already around trees. When you cut down trees and you replace it with concrete, urban heating happens. That space becomes hotter. That is a fact. Again, the inverse happens. When you plant more trees around a space, that place becomes cooler. So for me, when I'm having conversations with people, that's what I try and have. And then when you're talking about maybe bigger conversations around energy production, coal is not an infinite resource. It will not be here forever. We have to think about new technologies in which we are investing in to get more energy. The sun is an infinite resource. It is there. We constantly do have wind. Um, Hydrogen is also there, right? There are Other ways I think we need to make sure we educate people to try and have constructive conversations rather than one that can trigger hate or else we're actually not going to move forward in the discussion at all. 
Yeah, 100%. And did you actually know that when you look at what affects climate change, like energy production isn't even the biggest, you know, um, drawback. It's really about farming, looking at the way we grow our food, we eat our food, like, you know, we degrading in the topsoil. There's so many like, you know, um, tilling mistakes we make these days. And there's so much more one can look at. And it's really about, I remember I went to this talk once at the Opera House and one of the scientists, she said, if you still don't believe in climate change, you aren't educated enough. And I couldn't agree more. You know, people just reading about it, I, I, I can't see how you still can deny that. Maybe because you feel powerless and you don't know what to do. But there's so many ways of, you know, going forward with that. Tackling climate change, though, can be an incredibly daunting task for many. Firstly, what are your thoughts on this? And then I think for people who are struggling to think, you know, what can I as one person do, what advice would you give them? I would say start to educate yourself. Read more about the circular economy, you know, the closed loop economy, reusing, refurbishing. Like, um, for example, obviously you can't see this because it's a podcast, but I have a phone case that is biodegradable. You know, if that can be done for a phone case, why can't this be done for car tires? You know, there's so many more ways. And what I really love, you know, everyone loves Ikea because you get great furniture for a good price. But the problem is they break really quickly. And now what I love about IKEA is they actually say if something breaks, we take it back, we buy it back from you, you know, and we help. But the the more you can kind of avoid things going from landfill, you know, shop on Gumtree, you know, find things on, on Facebook Marketplace that are secondhand. Nothing has to be new. I feel it is really a bigger problem. And it's not about, you know, avoiding single-use plastics, but understanding drawdown methodologies that, you know, help uh, climate change ideas, but most importantly, support local communities, you know, speak to your local MP. I feel like supporting Mar you, for example, Marjorie, like just really because you will amplify our voices. And it, so where is Australia ranked in terms of climate change action? In 2016, the Climate Action Network ranked countries. Australia was third last in climate action and it's now 2021 and nothing has changed. One of the things you did touch on was the really big impact of agriculture. What about how and what we eat? Well, yeah, it's that's another big conversation and I love like loads of, you know, big scientists who who support climate change and really want to make a difference. Often you hear, you know, meat consumption and the methane contributes four times more to climate change than actually CO2. Uh, I'm not saying, look, I eat meat. I make sure I buy good quality meat. You know, um, I have a lot of vegan friends. It is a choice you make. If you can be more conscious, you know, just adding more veggies to your diet won't kill you. So I leave it there <laughs> for you to make your own decision. But yeah, it is a big problem as well. Look, and just for people who are listening, I have made a conscious effort. I love, love, love meat, but one day a week I go meat-free and I try to only eat meat in one meal of a day. So that is one small step that people can make in terms of just trying to change the way that they eat and their relationship with agriculture. So if people are looking then to support businesses that are environmentally conscious and trying to address climate change, can you suggest any places where they should be headed to? 
Sure. I mean, there are loads of local businesses that do really good work, but there are also loads of local charities like the Bob Brown Foundation or um, the Nature Conservation Council. If you're a bit of a rebel, Extinction, Extinction Rebellion, or even just a local bush care group, there's so much you can do in the community to learn more about the environment. And if you're still not convinced about climate change, like I just really want to ask you, like, why? Why would we purposefully destroy the planet. If climate change is real or not, we all have a responsibility to keep the earth alive for everyone coming after us. I couldn't agree with you more. We are custodians of this land for a very short period and we have a responsibility to make sure that we leave it in a better condition for future generations, not a worse one. Now, Anik, before I let you go, there's three tough questions we ask all of our listeners that come on to Coogee Voice. You must declare the best beach in the eastern suburbs, where you can get the best coffee and where sells the best burgers Go. Obviously, I live in Kuji. That is the best beach. I do not drink coffee. I love my matcha latte and the best you get at Kali Press on Kuji Bay Road. And what was the last question? Best burger. Best burger. Uh, oh, what's it called? I think it's called Funky Monkey in Kuji. They're awesome. They're the best and it's awesome, good quality meat. I haven't been there, so I'll have to check it out. Now, Nick, if people would like to learn more and get involved with the local Greenpeace Action Group, where should they head to? They can head to the Greenpeace website, contact them. They now have created state volunteer hubs and there are local groups all over the country. And most importantly is if you don't have the time for $60 a month, you can support the work they do and that helps as well. Anik, thank you for joining us on Coogee Voice. Thanks. What an eye-opening chat. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Greenpeace or get involved in their action group, head to greenpeace.org. You've been listening to Coogee Voice. <music>